Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, welcome to the Football Writers Podcast. My name's Mike Calvin. I'm joined by Adrian Clark, the tactical analyst, and Tom Hopkinson of the Sunday Mirror. It was a sliding doors moment. Jurgen Klopp nearly became Bayern Munich manager in 2008. Instead, they gave the job to Jurgen Klinsmann. Remember him? They certainly picked the wrong Jurgen. Two Bundesliga titles later, Klopp turned up at Liverpool. In this, his fourth season, it's all coming together. A classic Anfield night awaits on Tuesday. So, Adrian, Bayern going to regret their decision? <laughs> well, I don't think that they would have had any regrets, to be honest, because they've done pretty well, haven't they? In, in, <laughs> Your punkers didn't do a bad job when he that, finally came in, did he? Exactly. So, so it's not as if they've had barren years. But I, I see where you're coming from. He's a very good manager, Jurgen Klopp, but Bayern have had some terrific head coaches as well and some great teams. And this team that arrive at Anfield this week are full of, full of star-studded individuals. I don't, I don't think we should be writing them off of causing what would, I guess, be considered an upset, really, in, in terms of knocking Liverpool out of the competition. You look at the names. And these, are, these are big game players with a lot of experience of nights like this. And I think they'll relish the test at Anfield. I think those that are saying that Liverpool are going to walk all over them, getting a little bit ahead of themselves. Mm. I think any team with Robert Lewandowski in it, you know, he's just one of the great strikers of recent years in European football. And particularly for a Liverpool side who are defensively weak, missing Van Dijk. I think Lovren looks like he's missed, uh, failed to get himself fit, doesn't it? Suggestions that Matip could be in defence with Fabinho. Um, he's going to fancy that big time. But I think just just to come back to the, the Klopp uh, and, and Bayern, I, I sometimes wonder with Klopp, he's tailor-made for a club like Liverpool where... Fans sort of had that have that cult-like devotion for him, and he had the same at Borussia Dortmund. I'm not sure he'd have had that if he'd gone to Bayern Munich. It's a very different. It's like a, a juggernaut, you know, the beast. Yes. So it's very different, and I, I actually think he's far better suited to clubs like Dortmund and Liverpool. Yeah, because mm. they talk about Bayern in Germany as Hollywood and the Hollywood club right, yeah. because of the drama which surrounds them. Yes. And there's been a lot of background noise in the build-up to this tie from them. You know, okay, there's no Jerome Boateng. Mm. Looks like Ribery's turning up late because his wife gave. Birth. Taking into account what you said, mm. surely though Liverpool, on the night that they are 
they will generate huge emotion, mm. are dangerous. Oh, of course they are, yeah. Liverpool on European nights, well, any, any game at Anfield, their record tells you that, doesn't it? It's absolutely outstanding. And if they can get at this defence, and I think if there is a weakness of Bayern Munich, it's 100% at the back. I mean, they've hardly kept any clean sheets in the last Quite few months. Quite slow, isn't it, that defence? Very slow. I mean, Hummels is not the force he was. Boateng, I don't know what's happened to him. He's, he's, he won't make his, he's got flu, so he's well, not going to travel. His form's fallen off a cliff anyway. Sula I quite like. The full-backs are excellent, Kimmich and Alaba, but as a unit, they're not that secure. And I would imagine that Liverpool will fancy themselves scoring goals in this tie and in the first game, particularly if they can get at them. Pinch it's, the ball, it's almost pinch the wide the men, back. isn't it? The, the emphasis yeah. is on both wide men because mm -hmm. with both teams having weaknesses in that central defensive yeah. area, whichever wide players can create the chances for the uh, centre-forwards, that they will they will come out on top. That's why it's so significant that Coleman, from what we're told, is going to play after injury oh, yeah. Well, yeah, he's, yeah, look, if, if, he, really. if he can make it, yeah, he's, he's a massive addition for Bayern. But it, it, as you said at the top of the show, look, it is one of those <laughs> one of those great games that anyone with a, any even a remote interest in football should be uh, looking forward to it so much. And the atmosphere there will, will be blinding. And it's the first game in a month, really. It's not just two big games this week for Liverpool. They've also got the Merseyside derby coming up within the next three weeks. Uh, they've got the, the away leg against Bayern as well and, and it, it could be... I know we often talk about season-defining uh, months, mm -hmm. don't we, but this really could be one of them. Yeah, and it's hard to predict how Liverpool will... what sort of shape they'll be in for the game because they've had a little bit of a winter break, haven't they? It's, I know it's only ten days, but it feels as if they've just had this nice little breather. It's come at a perfect time <laughs> yeah, for them as well. Absolutely perfect, yeah. yeah. And you'd imagine that for the first game, of this little collection of biggies being Bayern, you think they'll be really at it. They might start to flag by the second half of the of the United game. Um, it's just hard to win two big games back-to-back -back like that. But let's say it's a mouth-watering prospect, it really is. You'd fancy Liverpool, but with Lewandowski up against a makeshift Liverpool back four, with all that talent around him, I find it hard to find an argument that Bayern won't score. They've scored three, at least three goals, in six of their last seven games. Now, people are saying Bayern, they're not what they used to be. That's pretty tidy. Mm -hmm. So Liverpool need to defend really well, particularly from the front. Yeah, I Take what you say about the defence and also the threat they pose wide. What about in that midfield area? You look at that... I don't see a lot of defensive cover in front of that back four. You look at uh, James Rodriguez, he's always seemed to me to be the perfect World Cup player. He comes on, captures our attention, but where's the substance? Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. He's a, a tournament player, but he's got... It's that Latin flair that you just don't need in a team, you know, certainly not on a week-to-week -week basis. But again, the sort of player who can come along and over... whether it's just over 90 minutes of one leg or over the 180 minutes of two legs, it could be pivotal in the tie. You know, if he really does turn it on for, for both games, then Liverpool will find it very, very hard to shut him down. But as you say, Mike, just the consistency that he shows on a week-to-week -week basis is is lacking. And, and he is one of those players that you'd look at and, and say he's never made the most of his talent. I mean, look, he's not exactly done badly as he's gone to Real Madrid and, and uh, Bayern Munich, but he's perhaps never been the player that we thought he would be after that astonishing yeah. World Cup. I, th I think uh, Kovac might just play it safe in this game and go for a more of a robust midfield. Uh, you could always, always put uh, Kimmich in there, who just can play anywhere. Mm. Goretzka, I think, is a, is a good player. And then you've still got Javi Martinez and Alcantara... 
bad players, are they? No. Um, and the, the first 45 minutes will be absolutely key because they'll probably have looked at that Manchester City game last year yes. when Liverpool blew them apart within the first half an hour or so and say, look, that is absolutely what we can't afford to do because yep. if Liverpool are in control of this tie after 45 minutes, then it's a, a great job well done. But obviously, Bayern will come prepared for that. Let's throw our conversation beyond that to Sunday and you know, the tribal encounter at, at Old Trafford. Mm. Can Liverpool raise themselves for two emotionally draining games in, in you know, a matter of days? It's hard, it really is hard. We've seen it so many times with, with teams. Tottenham had it recently, didn't they, where they had a collection of games back-to-back -back and I think by the third game they blew up. Mm. And that, that is natural, I think. All I can say is that they've had this breather and they had a really quite a gentle game before, didn't they, in terms of Bournemouth at home, 3 0. It was very much a cruise. So, in terms of like needing to be at it full throttle, you could take it back almost a month for Liverpool. So, they should be nice and refreshed. Should it be hard though, Aid? I mean, <laughs> you, you say, you know, if you've got a game against Bayern Munich in the Champions League, you've got a game mm. against Manchester United, yeah. you should surely, as a professional footballer, be getting up for those games. I understand oh, no, that no. maybe when the next game, you know, against one of the Premier League's lesser lights mm. comes around that that's perhaps when you have your little wobble almost you know and drop off but i i, I would it's draining that's what it is big occasions are draining mm. it's not it's weird it's hard to define why but sometimes just because of the nervous energy and it sounds nonsense but it's kind of true that so you build up so much nervous energy that you just sometimes just feel lethargic even though you're fit as a fiddle going again in such a hostile environment, in a hugely important game, it can, it can drain you of, of energy. And I, I don't know where the science lies on that, but inside players' heads, it, it can happen. Yeah, but also you know, you've got the physical intensity of it all. I, I saw a piece um, earlier in the week where Pep Linders, Klopp's assistant, talked about organised, you know, their organised chaos. When you're playing with that heavy metal football or whatever you want to call it, it's a very, very physically demanding experience, isn't it? Yeah, I saw that, and it, it reminded me of uh, speaking to Tyson Fury before he took on Vladimir Klitschko, you know, and, and he, he, that was how he described his plans for that <laughs> fight. And, and there's, 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 there's a lot to it, because if... I sort of think back to Henri as well, Thierry Henri talking about Pep Guardiola when he coached at Barcelona. He would sort of tell them exactly where they needed to be for every move in the first two-thirds of the field. But then when you're in that final third, it was like, look, all bets are off. You go where you want, you make the runs you want. And, and it's, I get the feeling it's a bit like that with Liverpool, that, look, we have to have this structure in defence, we have the structure in midfield. But then when you've got the talents of Salah, Firmino, Mane and all the lads who are just behind them in the pecking order as well, there is going to be a slightly chaotic feel, a chaotic nature of it, because the speed with which they move. But, of course, if you're a defender, and particularly if you're a Mats Hummels, who has had this slow accusation levelled at you, I mean, it's almost been the reason that, that Premier League clubs have, have never really pushed that, that deal through for him in the end. You know, that, that sort of chaotic nature of Liverpool's attack, if they don't know what they're going to do, then the defenders won't either. Yeah. Did, did Paris Saint-Germain <laughs> give Liverpool any clues about how to attack Man United? <laughs> Wow, I mean, it's, it's just blistering pace. Sign Mbappe very quickly. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, Mbappe just unreal, wasn't he, in that game? It, we all know, it's not rocket science, we all know that Manchester United, despite their improvements under Solskjaer, we all know that they're not great at centre-half, don't we? I mean, it's obvious. Even at full-back, not outstanding. You could even say in central midfield that they lack a bit of mobility. You've got, you got a little tiger in, in Herrera, you've got a strong guy in Matic, but... 
I always feel that I've never been a huge Matic fan because he can labour and he can have no-shows. And when he has a no-show Matic, you can just run all over him. Mm. So that is a... That is a way that you can that Liverpool will certainly look to get to get United. But Mbappe made the difference in that game, plain and simple. Mm. Where do you, you look at Manchester United at the moment? There is so much stuff swirling around that club. You've got on one hand, you've got the MD talking about yes, we've got this fantastic roadmap for our app. You know what, what on the earth is all that about? You know, let's, let's organise the open top. Very handy for now. away fans, well, to be fair. Yeah. I, mean, oh, well, I mean, come on, let's come on, Mike. Let's be serious. Apps are important. Let's be serious. But equally. You've got, there was some talk yesterday about a Saudi potential takeover, which has been denied. It's not a football club anymore, is it? Well, I mean, look, yeah, yes and no. It's, it's a huge business and brand. I mean, it, it, but there is a football club being run. And at the moment, football-wise, it's being run pretty well. I, I realise they've, uh, they've had the, uh, you know, they didn't quite get the 11th, uh, what was it, nine wins out of 11, yeah. or nine wins out of 10 it was, wasn't it? And then, of course, the last one. But I feel a little bit for Richard Arnold because I don't think he was particularly quoted in context with the, uh, the roadmap. Um, and I do... Heavens for offend. I, I do understand that, that, you know, chief execs and chief financial officers and all those top directors you know they do have a, a obligation to tell shareholders and investors where their money is going and as importantly for those investors what the returns are so I can understand them having to do that but I think with with United at the moment look if we we focus on where things are on the football field then you have to say they're in a pretty good position and, and, and we're speaking comparatively of course but they've set themselves up nicely by appointing Solskjaer even on this short-term period, they have set themselves up nicely to get through to the summer and take stock then. And it's a very, very important decision coming up, whether Solskjaer's the man who gets the job, whether they go all out for Pochettino, which I think is falling a bit by the wayside now, the chances of getting him. Diego Simeone has been uh, contacted to see of his interest, but of course he's just signed the new deal at Atletico. But whichever direction they go in, that's the most important summer they've had for, for since obviously Mourinho was appointed. And I think it's hard to be too critical of what United are doing in this mm. complete instance. The projections yeah. are that yeah. the wage bill would exceed £300 million. Yeah. And if they're going to bring more players in, it stands to reason that others will leave. There's been some speculation that Lukaku might go. Yeah. Victim of uh, Mourinho's downfall? Um, no, I think he, he's... He... You're, has he proved beyond dispute, Romelu Lukaku, that he is good enough to be Manchester United's number nine long term? I don't think so. I think he's had good moments. He's had some really barren runs as well, hasn't he? When he joined United, I said that I felt he was a very, very good striker, but not quite up to being Manchester United's talisman. And I, I probably stand by that, really. So it might be better for him to move on. Um, we'll have to wait and see. There's a story linking United with Dybala, wasn't there, and, and Lukaku going the other way. That could be something that works well for both parties moving forwards. I don't see Lukaku at this stage of his career being happy playing second fiddle to, to someone like Marcus Rashford or a potential new signing, especially having been the main man not so long ago. He's not backed up his own stats, Lukaku, has he? Because if you looked at his statistics when he came into United, they were fantastic. The goal-scoring record was great and he'd almost given himself that platform having left Chelsea and, and gone to West Brom and scored goals, gone to Everton and scored goals, scored goals internationally. It did look a very good signing for both, a very good move for both parties, but it just hasn't worked out for him. Well, comparing with Aguero, comparing with Aubameyang, uh, Kane, he's not the same level no. and he's not... 
ever really been in the mix for the Golden Boot, despite the fact that Jose Mourinho would pick him. But he has the attributes. No what happened. He, he does have the attributes to have got to the yeah. same level, doesn't he? You know, the physicality, the the ability, the eye for goal. But he, yeah, he technically just... though, it's not quite there, is it? No, but I think that's what, I, and that's sort of what I'm saying. Now, you, you hoped when he went to United and got playing with supposedly better players that that it would it would have moved him on technically, but he, he just hasn't taken the opportunity that was presented to him. No. You talked about stats, Tom. Sanchez, Alexis Sanchez, mm. um, courtesy of the Times, been there at Old Trafford 392 days, made 37 first-team appearances, five goals. What's to be done about him? It's like a bottle of tomato ketchup, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> According to Solskjaer, it's all, all going to come flooding out in, uh, with one pop on the, uh, the around the back of the head, I think. But, um, no, I, I think what's to be done with Sanchez, I, I think... The best thing for United uh, would be to get rid of him. I think, that, well, the best thing would have been not to have signed him in the first place because it, this, I can't help but think United shouldn't be surprised with what they're getting from Sanchez. From what I saw of him in his his last year at Arsenal, he went completely off the boil. I, he drove me wild with these exasperated throws <laughs> up in the air of his arms to tell the crowd, "Look, it was everyone else's fault. It's not mine. I'm trying my." heart out here and the rest of the lads just haven't got the quality and if I was United I'd have been looking at that and saying you know I don't I, we don't want that that's not good for the team spirit but I, I think it all harks back to being a, a signing that they made purely to stop Manchester City from yeah. getting him mm. and if you're Pep Guardiola now you're you're looking at that and, and particularly oh. if you're in charge of Manchester City's finances you're looking at that and laughing yeah <laughs> would Arsenal have him back <laughs> no chance no it's not happening um well Speaking of someone that follows the team closely, I hope it wouldn't happen. I, I couldn't see it. He, yeah, he's just... Look, every, every dog has their day, and I think he's past his peak now. He's into his 30s, and he's on the slippery slope. The, the issue I think that Sanchez has had in recent times is that he, he doesn't really fit in with dressing rooms. Mm. And if you're delivering the goals and the big assists, then the dressing room can tolerate a guy that's a bit aloof and doesn't really want to hang out with them is a bit difficult. But when that type of character, and he is that type of character, is not performing, then all the fingers of blame go towards that guy. Uh, it's human nature. And I think that, yeah, it feels as if there's there's a bit of a rift behind the scenes. It doesn't fit in and they need to cut their losses. And he's, he's played a phenomenal amount of football in recent years as well with the games for Chile, you know, mm. in the international breaks and the summers. And mm. it, it was non-stop for him for a yeah. period of three or four years, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. And, and, you know, it has to take its toll. And, and he, he's always given the ball away. Like, he's always been incredibly frustrating to watch. And, and he, he will let you down numerous times in the game. But at Arsenal, he almost always delivered... Those big moments, and at United, he, he, he just hasn't, and, that, and that's why he'll be deemed a failure. Similar question to you that I asked Tom, mm -hmm. this time concerning Mesut Ozil. Yes. What to be done? 100 games he's missed. Too many, yeah. I mean, he's had a lot of sickies, hasn't he, Mesut Ozil? I don't know what the story is there. All I can say is that from a football point of view, Arsenal are a better team when Mesut Ozil is in it and when his mind is right. So... In Unai Emery's shoes, I would be doing all I can to get Mesut Ozil's mind right, mind on the job, and to get him in that team, in the position that he enjoys the most, because Arsenal have lacked inventiveness and imagination this season, the kind that he brings. He doesn't bring it every week, <laughs> but he will bring it much more often than the guys that have played ahead of him. And for that reason, I, I desperately hope they can find a way to incorporate him back into the squad because at the moment it's, it's a waste of a, of a really gifted talent. In terms of creating open play chances in the Premier League, Arsenal are ninth 
Wolves, Palace and Fulham. Fulham? No, no, come yes, on. Yes, yes. <laughs> Wolves, Palace and Fulham have created more chances from open play than Arsenal wow. this season. There is a, a dearth of creativity right now that needs addressing. It's not like he's paid to create either, is it? <laughs> well, do, you know what, do you know what? I just want to pick up on what Aid said earlier about the mental uh, side of the game and how exhausting and how draining uh, big games can be. I, I wonder how mentally drained Ozil has been in the last few months from everything that went on with Germany in the summer. I remember we went out to Singapore for the, the pre-season tour and there was so much focus on everything that was going on with him in Germany at the time and he chose not to talk about it. You know, he put the statements out and then got on the plane and, and flew to Singapore and all hell broke loose while he was on the flight in terms of the story. Um, and I just wonder whether over the course of, you know, not, not necessarily the first couple of months of the season, but once things started to calm down a little bit, whether that was when he took stock of the situation and whether that's played any, any, any or had any mm. effect, any detrimental effect on the, some of the performances this year. Mm. Talking of all hell breaking loose, mm. what happens if, <laughs> God forfend, <laughs> they lose to Barté Boris? Yeah, well, it can happen. Yeah, it could happen. I mean, as I've just pointed out, Arsenal are struggling to create chances. Thankfully, they've got two strikers that they know how to finish in Lacazette and Aubameyang, but of course, Lacazette's missing for this game, which is a blow. <laughs> it would be a really sad state of affairs if Arsenal were to crash out to Bartow Borisov, yeah. The mood would <laughs> would be, be dark, to say the least. Um, but I, I retain confidence. I have confidence in Emery, I, I genuinely do. I think he's done enough as a coach before to give him time. But I think most Arsenal fans would have liked him to have had a better idea on his number one 11 by now, and it, certainly his number one system. And I don't think he's any closer to knowing that than he was when he walked through the door, which is the one criticism I would have of him. I think they need at least another couple of transfer windows as well. I mean, and, and I'm talking summer transfer windows, not the January ones. I mean, obviously Aaron Ramsey will, will go and that will give him, Mesut Ozil, we expect, will go and that will give him a chance to shape, you know, even if he, mm. he's only bringing in another two or three players as, as direct replacements for them, are going to be some significant... I, I would go eight there. out, 18, something like that. I would go big. I think it's the right time to sweep the decks. I really do. I, I just think there are too many players there that are not... If Arsenal have pretensions to be title challengers and to really push the likes of Liverpool City, Manchester United and Spurs... Uh, and Chelsea, of course, then then they have to sign better players. Mm. At the moment, I, I I do believe that you know Emery is a little bit surprised at the lack of quality that he inherited, and because of that, I would expect wholesale changes. And I think that would be good for everyone. Need to start feeding them burgers as well. If Arteta Boris Thompson and then Dietrich requires that photograph, yeah, 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 early in the morning yeah, yeah, after yeah. the game, seven a.m. the next morning, back a double cheeseburger, <laughs> keeping it real, weren't they? Uh, but look, well, yeah. They were coming to London, weren't they? So they, they're taking it seriously, this tie. I mean, they've, they've been over here a while, ready for it. And I don't know what the atmosphere will be like because it kicks off before 6pm, which in London, I don't know how anyone's going to get there in time. So it could be a strange atmosphere. Arsenal need to hit the ground running and start fast in this match. Yeah. You mentioned Aaron Ramsey, Tom. Is he setting a trend by running the contract down, you know, no one can argue with the sort of wages he's reported to be getting at what, Juventus. What 400 <laughs> grand a week. I noticed that Ilkay um, Gundogan is now going to run down his contract, it seems, at Manchester City. Yeah. Are we in now an age of 
players imposing their power on clubs. Yes, yeah, it's, it's quite strange, really, because I, I thought clubs had moved to such a stage where they'd moved that, past that and were never going to allow it to happen with, with players that they, they wanted to keep. And with, with Ramsey or, almost as well, I, I don't know whether he chose to run the contract down because the offer was there and then it was withdrawn, wasn't it? So it was more a case that uh, Unai Emery said, no, actually, let's let Probably it Probably above it, Emery, wasn't it? I would be surprised if it was actually without certainly without Emery's um, input into it. I it's mean, matter of financial expedience to me. Yeah, I mean it did, and, and look, it, it, you could argue it's worked out. It will work out well for everyone because I think Arsenal, as eight says, I, I agree. Um, I, I don't know whether eight changes in one summer works, mm. but but I, I can see where you're coming from with that. And I think Aaron Ramsey's been there so long. He he's clearly part of the problem, the old problem, um, and I'm not saying a, a big part, just, you know, a key or sort of in there, a, a matter of it. And whereas, so if he moves on and gets himself this £400,000 a week deal, which he's done, great for him, mm. the club get his big wages off and, and can go elsewhere and bring more players in like Terreri, you know, who perhaps haven't got that last decade of Arsenal-ness about them. Mm. On City, mm. yeah, they're at Schalke. The mentality seems to be right. You know, the way they approach the Newport game in the FA Cup. Also, Pep seems to be really engaged this season. Oh, he's on it, isn't he? Yeah, you can yeah. see. Oh, the Burton game. I mean, how ruthless mm. were they? Yeah. Mm. They didn't have to be like that, did they? They didn't have to score nine. They wanted to score nine. And even in the second leg, he didn't play the kids. Not all of them. He, he went pretty strong at Burton. The same at Newport. No, really impressive. And they've hit, their season has just gradually gone on this upward curve, hasn't it? And you just think, if it continues to go on the curve, it, on the trajectory it is, then they will pip Liverpool because they're certainly playing better than Liverpool at the moment. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, with Gundogan, I, something's got to give, hasn't it, a City in terms of bringing Foden through. If, if Pep rates Phil Foden as, as much as he says he does, he has to create a vacancy mm. in there, doesn't he? Mm. Who's going to go, I wonder? It won't be De Bruyne, it won't be Bernardo Silva. I really think about David Silva or Gundogan. So I don't know whether they'll move heaven and earth to get to get one of those out, potentially Gundogan out, before he can run that contract down. Mm. They've got Schalke, who basically play, I think, for 15 minutes with 10 men at the weekend. It's really, probably in terms of the ties they could have got, it's perfect for them, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, and, and City, have, they've still got plenty to prove, haven't they, in the Champions League? You know, this, the prove that the mentality is there to take them on to win it. I mean, I think, I think if they can win back-to-back -back Premier Leagues, then it, it will show that they've taken a big step forward uh, mentally in the last couple of years. But um, there are still huge question marks, and Schalke, you would expect them to put away um, in, in over, over the course of two legs, no problem at all. But once we get past this round, mm -hmm. then we're down to the nitty-gritty, and, and when they're starting to come up against the bigger teams uh, than Schalke, then that's, that's where the questions need answering. Mm. Just <clears throat> take a quick tangent here, if I could. Yeah. Um, Raheem Sterling... Didn't play on, on Saturday, he was in, on, on the bench. Yeah. Booed at Newport. Booed wherever he goes. Yet there's a really good kid in there. Yeah. And I thought, that, that again, Paul Hurston Times this morning did a little piece about there was a, a young lad who'd been racially abused. Sterling had written to him, encouraged him, and he met him after the game. I think sometimes we're about cynicism and, and commercialism <clears throat> and controversy. <clears throat> Should we just dwell on the humanity of it. I thought that was a fantastic gesture. Yeah, I mean, the more I learn about Raheem Sterling, the more I like him, and the, and the, and the, the more it seems like he's growing into a really 
mature, sensible young man. I mean, his reputation is completely unfair. And he's doing a lot of a lot of good things. I thought the way that he handled the racist abuse at, at Stamford Bridge was outstanding as well. And I think he he conducted himself with dignity throughout that. Putting all that to one side, he's having a brilliant season again. Mm. This kid is uh, some player. We don't. We, you just mentioned Phil Foden. It's sort of like people rave about players like Phil Foden more than Sterling, but Sterling's been doing it at the highest level for years. He's English, he's young, he's talented. The more I know about him, the more I like. His career decisions have all been proved right as well, haven't yeah, they? You know, from yeah. QPR's academy yeah. uh, to Liverpool, good move. You know, really, really got a great grounding there and learned how to play Premier League football, then went on to Manchester City as won things, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and has proved that had he stayed at Liverpool, he wouldn't have won those things yet. And And... You know, I think I think a lot of look, there have been things where we in the press have been probably guilty of reporting things in a certain way, as he pointed out after the the racism situation at at Stamford Bridge, which he's absolutely right needs to be looked at, needs to be addressed, needs to be dealt with going forward. I think he himself now would put his hand up and say, look, there's certain things I've done along the way off the field which perhaps haven't reflected me in a good light as well. But I think. Yeah, certainly. You know, he's he's been a very young boy and a very young he's grown boy up basically in a huge in front of spotlight. Yeah. Absolutely, and and yet he, as you say, he's proving now uh, he's maturing into a very impressive young person. Because you see him at England get-togethers, yeah, and he is good with the media there, isn't he? Yeah, he and is, there is an yeah. informality about him. There. Yeah, yeah, and he, he doesn't duck questions, which uh, you know is is from the press point of view. You know, so many times you ask people questions and you you don't get a proper answer to it. You know, you go around the houses, but whereas with Sterling. You, you get an answer to the question you asked him and he, he doesn't hide, doesn't shy away from the harder questions as well, uh, particularly in recent years, and um, I think that's to be applauded. Yeah, um, and in terms of his contributions on the pitch, I, I've said it before, I think Leroy Sane might be the best left-winger in the world. He keeps him out of the best Manchester City eleven. Mm. really. I think right now Pep Guardiola is in the Champions League final. I think Sterling will play. And that's how good he is, and I think we should appreciate him. Mm. But we do love a bit of controversy. <laughs> we do, yeah. So, let's look at Leicester. Uh, let's have a bit of manager watch. Yeah. Vardy on the one hand, Puel on the other. Who wins that <laughs> little power struggle? Well, Vardy, I think, is more powerful at Leicester than, than Claude Puel. don't think either of them. They're a strange forever. team at the moment. They are they? a strange team. Look, I think... Uh, I'm, I'm no fan of Claude Puel. I think Leicester City would be better changing coach. No point now. This season's nothing to Leicester now, isn't it? They're mid-table. They've gone out of the cup competitions when I think they could have progressed further. So, no, they, I think they wait to the summer and then they get, get rid of Claude Puel. Um, Jamie Vardy is on the wane, but, but he's still their best striker. And for that reason, he should still play. Why he left him out at Wembley, I don't understand. And there's a lot of things about Claude Puel that, that, that leave me scratching my head, really, in terms of his, his approach and his selections. It's clearly knows his football, but... Leicester City supporters, their gripes towards him are entirely founded, in my view. There were quotes attributed to Peter Schmeichel uh, recently yeah, as well yes. about... about <laughs> that, was, that was interesting. Which, which, you know, <laughs> were remarkable for 
a, a very prominent and well-known parent come out and say... Are you be specific for the, for the reason? Yeah, well, it, 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 effectively saying that Casper would be off if Puel stayed, you know, and... and it, All they need is a proper manager, basically. Yeah, yeah it, <laughs> it was quite, quite <laughs> extraordinary, you know. It's the sort of, sort of thing that Wojciech Szczesny's dad used to say, <laughs> wasn't it? We used to, and we used to laugh about it, but it, it obviously carries more clout because it's coming from yeah. uh, Peter Schmeichel, who, who's so well-known and revered in this country. Um, but, yeah, when issues like that start... I mean, I, I'm not sure. Schmeichel's maybe the goalkeeper that he was... No. Uh, a couple of years ago, either I think, uh, you know, but I, I think if it came down to a, a straight choice, as you say, Vardy or Puel, Vardy for now is, is just about going to win that yeah. one. Schmeichel or Puel, I think Schmeichel wins every day. Mm. Yeah, I, I think the, the squad that he's got, they should be seventh, clearly, and uh, I think they've got a below mid table right now, mm. aren't they? So they could still bounce back, but they're it's, under. It's, it's odd. It's odd when you get a manager who gets a real tune out of a team one week and then absolutely nothing the next week. And, you know, when, when there's so little consistency there, then there are clearly issues behind the scenes, as Maurizio Sarri is finding out at Chelsea, yeah. and, and obviously it's more in focus because of the size of Chelsea as a club. But I, I think Puel falls into that category as well. Yeah. We'll talk about League Cup final and Chelsea a little bit later. Another big decision, Declan Rice declaring for England. Yeah. Heck of a player. And... I could see him fitting into that England side quite easily. Oh, he gets in my team. If I'm picking an England team tomorrow, he's there um, on form. I mean, he's been brilliant, super isn't he? Player, yeah, yeah, he is yeah. superb. I think he is the best English defensive midfielder. He is pretty athletic. He, he recovers the ball so well. His use of it is really intelligent. And he's got the defensive qualities of a proper centre-half. I think he, he could develop into a... A magnificent centre-half in a back three if, if Southgate wanted to go that route. But right now he gets in ahead of Dyer for me and, and the other candidates as, as the holding midfielder in, in the team. So, so look, it, this, the rule is diabolical and it should be changed. Mm. But I think for the sake of his career, he's made the right call. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I, I agree with you. I don't think he should have been allowed... Uh, to make the change, I think it, it should be cut off far earlier um, than than to get to 20 and do it. But he's, he's, as you say, a 20 years old, c commanding, controlling Premier League games against players with vastly more experience than he's got. And, and you know, if you think about the goal he scored against Arsenal, if he can just add the goals, yeah. which I know they're working on with him, and, yeah. and try to add that to the armoury, he's, he's just going to be. Do the you think the big the guns are coming from this summer in the Premier League? I would have thought that's quite almost inevitable. I, I would have, yeah. I would have thought it's likely whether or not it's a good move for him at this stage or whether you know and, and I, I still I mean we look at Sancho and, and I know he's held up as the poster boy of what going off and, and playing games and, and I know Rice probably would get games at a big club but I still think is he going to get the same number of games at one of the top six that he will get at West Ham next year and I, I just wonder whether at this stage like everything's going right for him at this stage you know he's, the England call-up is clearly coming he's playing week after week he's doing well he's growing he's progressing why not stay at West Ham for one more year yeah. two more years and then look to make mm. that big step up there West Ham have got um, Fulham at home on Friday evening mm. are Fulham doomed? <laughs> yeah well yeah the, the, the defence just isn't up to scratch is it? It's a defence that would probably be mid-table championship. And that's the reason that, that Fulham are where they are. I think their forward line going, you know, is decent enough. If their rear guard was as strong as, as their attacking talent, then they'd, they'd probably be in mid-table. They didn't address it in January either, did they? I mean, last summer... They made well, they went so big they made they Rickett, in the summer. Yeah, they made yeah. rickets in the transfer market. But in January, I really expected uh, Ranieri uh, and co to, to go big on some defenders. They didn't. And what's happening? Surprise, surprise, there's no improvement. So, um, 
No, they're gone. Yeah. We assume also that Huddersfield are, mm. are, are not long for this world. Who gets the third place? Cardiff are at home to Watford and they seem to be on a mission. Yeah, they're, they're, I mean, look, they've gone through a terrible tragedy um, in recent weeks uh, with the loss of Salah. Um, uh, just an incredible situation. But the way they've conducted themselves through that and the, the sort of mental strength that they seem to have taken from it has, has had, I know it's no absolutely no compensation at all, but on the pitch it seems to have translated into, you know, it's brought the players closer together, perhaps the team, the fans, and they are picking up points now. And, and crucially, they're scoring goals, which when I look at a team like Newcastle, that would be my, my worry for them. That would be why, if I was in that little group, perhaps Newcastle would be the team that I thought without, without the goals going in. I think they've They have got Huddersfield at the weekend, though. Well, they have, which, which could make a difference, of <laughs> yeah, course. But. Yeah. I did look at the run-ins, sort of just did what we all do, you know, tried to work out points, tallies, based on expected on the opposition of the running. And I think Newcastle got the kindest of the running. Yeah, that's, that's all true. I'll say. Yeah. So I, I had them up to about 38, 39 points. I, unfortunately, with Cardiff, I, I had them around 35 points max, probably taking another 10 from the fixtures that they've got left to play. The two that, that stood out as having the hardest run were Burnley and Brighton. Mm. Um, so I don't think that they're out of the woods by any stretch of the imagination. Burnley, obviously, their win at Brighton will have given them a lot of mm. confidence. But even though Brighton are going well in the cup... I'm, I don't, Southampton I, just yeah. seem to be stuttering a bit but as well for me. Yeah, that, their running is, is OK, yeah. but they're not... Yeah they're, yeah, they're very up and down, aren't yeah. they? But I like Hassan Hootl. I think this guy, yeah. there's something about that guy... He seems to be getting more of a tune out of the players than old Sparky did. Mm -hmm. Burnley have got uh, their home to Tottenham. Let's look at Tottenham. Pochettino and Son. Manager and player of the year? Uh, manager of the year, yes. Uh, I think so. I think there can be, there can be few arguments against that. I know, look, Manchester City and Liverpool fans will say whichever of their sides wins the league, and I still don't see Tottenham quite as title contenders, even though they are so close. Um, but apart from them, I think, given the fact they didn't spend any money, um, what Pochettino has done there this year in terms of managing the team and when they've suffered injuries to, to key players as well, he's still got a song out of other players. You know, the way Son has come in, I mean, we shouldn't be surprised because he's done it before when Harry Kane has, has been injured, but he's almost not just... It's not just about the goals with Son. He's taken the mantle of the team, you know, he's taken the, the, the weight and expectation on his shoulders. And, and I think he's absolutely deserves to be in the running for Player of the Year. Yeah. Whether he'll I'm get it, it is, I, I, I don't know. I mean, you, you, yeah, I would have him in the top six. I don't I think contender. You look at Aguero, don't you? I think Aguero and Van Dyke would yeah. be my two picks. Mm -hmm. I, I still think Van Dyke, especially Liverpool, go on to win the title, which we won't know when the, the votes are cast. Yeah, Van Dyke would get it, but, but Aguero's making a good charge yeah. for it, isn't he? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think Son is Spurs player of the year. Pochettino is not manager of the year. Sorry, I mean, he's doing well. But the well, cupboard, the cupboard is still bare. Well, if, well, he's got to be one of the top two. I mean, Pep Guardiola. I'd, I'd, hazard, I'd hazard to yeah, get look, Pep Guardiola. Yeah, look, if he wins the quadruple, then <laughs> got a pretty good chance of, uh, of landing it. Yeah, but in terms of in terms of resources, in relative terms, where Klopp has taken Liverpool from, from where they were even last season, which was Champions League finalists, but in terms of Premier so League, twenty five points the, behind. The points uh, so, yeah, different yeah, yeah. is yeah. incredible from yeah. Klopp. Pochettino is doing an admirable job, and he's a terrific coach. He's not manager of the year. That's enough from our Arsenal correspondent. I'm going to leave you to bring that point. Up. <laughs> <laughs> so questions from the from the listeners and the viewers, Stu. Um, asks, 
Do you think the contract extensions for Jones and Smalling are to ensure a decent transfer fee in the summer? If not, then Ole Gunnar isn't the man I thought he was. United need to be ruthless and get rid of the dead. Yeah, a bit, a bit harsh, but possibly. Yeah, it's, the, the, neither would be starters for me. I don't, think he's, I don't think he's looking to build the team around Jones and Smalling. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it is a strange one, but clubs don't want to lose players free, do they? It's, it's as straightforward as that. I do think, actually, for the sake of maybe Phil Jones' career, he should probably move on. Smalling seems to be, have sort of rediscovered himself. I was reading some good interviews with him in the papers yeah. at the weekend. You know, he's, he's doing his best, isn't he, to stay there. He's, he's, he's trying to change as a person. You know, he's changed his diet quite dramatically, but, yeah, I, I don't think they'll be first choice. I, I, think, I think if you look back to uh, Sir Alex Ferguson, the way he used to go, though, with the likes of Johnny Evans and John O'Shea, you know, these were players... Look, we knew they were never going to be first-choice players, but they both get what it is to be Manchester United players. Eric Bailly doesn't really know yet what it is to be a Manchester United player or doesn't seem to show it. Lindelof, likewise, you know, he hasn't got that history with the club. So if United are making changes, bringing in three or four players in the summer as we would expect them to, then having the likes of Jones and Smalling there, you know, it's just that link to the past. And I think that's, I agree with I think that. that's vitally yeah. important at clubs. OK. Paul Fry asks, who will be the biggest loss to the Premier League? Hazard or Ericsson? Throw that one at you. Hazard. I think Hazard would, I, and that's not to say that there's anything between them in talent, but I just think in terms of the personality that Hazard has brought to Chelsea over the years, he's won some significant trophies one year and then been absolutely awful the next, but he's been part of, of the, the whole Premier League story and I think we'd, we'd really miss him yeah. if he went. Yeah, I think they will both go, actually, in the next two years. It feels like Ericsson is made for somewhere like Real Madrid, doesn't it? You mm. do feel that. And Hazard, actually, I feel a bit sorry for him in, in terms of I'm surprised that one of the true global giants hasn't gone He's doing bigger. everything he can, isn't yeah, he? I mean, <laughs> doing everything I'm surprised that they've not stumped up the cash for him because I, I do see him as, as in that next bracket behind your Messi's and Ronaldo's. I think Mbappe is the heir to the throne, but Hazard isn't a million miles away. Mm. Hazard will have to be at his best if Chelsea can do anything in the League Cup final on Sunday. Yeah. Holding out much hope for that? Uh, no, not from what we saw in recent weeks, certainly not with the 6-0 the demolition. Um, I mean, look, Chelsea have proved once this season that they can do a, a job on Manchester City. Um, the way they went about the game in December was excellent. Um, I know they were on the back foot for a lot of the first half, but I think Sarri got his tactics spot on. Um, <laughs> the only problem was in the return fixture, uh, Guardiola completely outwitted him. Um, I think it's yeah, I think it's odds on for Manchester City to win. And uh, you're right, Hazard, that, that's part of the frustration for Hazard, I would imagine, is that unless he carries the team on his shoulders, they're not going to win anything. Mm. Yeah. What, do you, what do you make of what's going on at Chelsea? Uh, that might have picked the wrong coach, actually. I, I, I thought I was a big fan of Sarri, and, I, and there's a lot about him I do like, but I just what I don't understand is, is the unwillingness to try something different. It's not working. And every, every half-decent team has nullified Chelsea of late, and it completely confused me why he won't have another idea up his sleeve. And for that reason, I think he'll, he'll lose his job. Yeah, is that the limitations of the Italian mentality? You know, they're based mainly on repetition on, on the training ground. Yeah. And, you know, there is a, almost a lack of sensitivity to modern dressing rooms. You know, I'm told that before the 4-0 defeat at Bournemouth, on that morning, Sarri insisted on a full training session on a poor pitch at Pool Town. And the players weren't impressed. 
Is that almost like a story for our times? Yeah, but it, I mean, it doesn't take a lot to make Chelsea's dressing room. No, it doesn't. It really doesn't. <laughs> you know, like yeah. professional footballers, and if your manager tells you yeah. you're going to have a training session, then you know you need to go and have a training session. Um, I, I think I'm not convinced Sarri was brought into Chelsea to win titles galore, to win the Champions League, to win. I don't think that will have been his remit because there's been a great understanding at Chelsea for for quite a few years now that they don't have the budgets mm. to compete with the Manchester Cities, perhaps even uh, Liverpool, United, they just can't get... And, and even Arsenal, really, they, they aren't paying the same figures out as they would. Um, so I think he was brought in to introduce this Sarri ball, this style of football that everyone raved about at Napoli, even though it didn't win him any silverware there either. So if you brought a man or bring a manager in to get a team playing in a specific way and the players can't adapt to it for whatever reason, because they won't or because they can't, then you change the squad. Yeah. And however long that takes, if it takes another couple of seasons, I, I, I think he deserves, as any manager I always think, deserves two years in charge of a team. Um, and I think he does. But yeah, he hasn't I, got I, the players to play his brand of football. No. I think that much is And, and I, I agree with Aid. I, I yeah. don't think he'll last it because, as we know, there is just a revolving door at Chelsea, yeah. but no, I don't no. think that's right. And right on cue, someone's let slip in inverted commas, that uh, Zidane would be quite happy to go there <laughs> if he gets 200 million in the transfer <laughs> yeah. market wow. and, by the way, guarantees that Hazard stays. Yeah, I mean, yeah, as Tom's pointed out, the, 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 both those scenarios might be, might be unlikely, I, I, I guess. So I also think that personality does make a difference. I heard Manu Petit at the mm. weekend was saying that the players, they've had Jose, pretty miserable, especially in his last season. Antonio Conte, second season, he hated everything. And then now you've life. got now you've, yeah, and now you've got Sarri, who uh, have we seen him smile? I don't I don't think we have. They've grown used to quite surly managers. He he made the point. This dressing room, they need, I suppose they need a soul show. They need someone yeah. to actually bring the fun back to football. If only that would work. <laughs> yeah. Have we any proof that that works? <laughs> well, the biggest fun in football, as you know, is winning. Yes. Who's winning on uh, Wembley? Our oh, City. Yeah. I think it'll be much much closer than than six, but I can't back against City. I, I agree, I agree. I mean, I, I, I'm so thrilled that we've got Higuain here in the Premier League, uh, here in England, but I just think is going to do him again this week. Well, it won't be six, but it won't be pain-free for Chelsea. The first trophy of several this season for City. Thanks for joining us here on the Football Writers Podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.